Let's light this thing up, EOB Mafia! Welcome back to another action-packed installment of Evolution of Brand, powered by Absolute Evolution Branding. I'm Jason Sircone, and today on episode 132, I'm sharing the mic with podcaster, PR, and marketing extraordinaire Annika Jackson. As we tap into the evolution of Annika's brand today, we'll be discussing how the marketing and PR world has grown and evolved over the years, the fundamentals of integrated marketing and the tremendous impact they can have on your brand, how to avoid major PR nightmares and disasters as you grow and scale your operations, and game-changing tips and strategies both Annika and I use to leverage podcasting in our practices that you can implement as well. All of this and so much more is ready and waiting for you on episode 132 of Evolution of Brand, right after a quick word from yours truly. You know, we talk a lot about thought leadership and authority status here on Evolution of Brand, and the reason for that is the guests that I've had the privilege of connecting with focus on this each and every day. And I guarantee you, if you ask any of them if that focus has made a difference in everything they do, the answer you'd receive would be an emphatic hell yes across the board. Do you want to establish authority and become a thought leader in your niche? Then it's time for us to connect. I want to teach you the best approach I know for attracting new clients, increasing your profits, expanding your network, achieving game-changing authority status, and becoming a thought leader in your space. It's time for your brand to go from unknown to undeniable. Visit jasonsircone.com slash work with me to learn more. Annika Jackson, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say hello to the EOB Mafia and share a time that you listened to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment. Wow. That's a really big question coming out of the gate, Jason. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I listen to the show. I'm a huge fan. I've had you on my show. Love our pod family. And now I love your mafia too. I did not know. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, did I pick up on the mafia word before? I don't know, but love it. There have been so many times I, I'm really good at listening to myself and not listening to other people. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> it's good and sometimes it's bad. One of the most recent times was this year, actually. I decided to merge my company. I had a marketing PR and branding company, merged it in January with another firm that was larger, global. I thought we had a lot of similarities with the way that we worked with our values, our personal you know, values, and then how we incorporated those into our work and got in. Everything changed really quickly and rapidly. The people I'd been talking to initially were not the people who then I had to deal with for whether it was, uh, you know, am I responsible for paying for my entire team that I brought with me? with the revenue that I brought in, even though they're all working on other people's clients, systems and processes, there weren't really any. Um, and my team was all virtual and built during the pandemic. So we have to have really buttoned up SOPs and you know, here's how we do, here's how we onboard a client and follow methodologies so that we could actually do our job really well for our clients. Mm -hmm. um, but th there were just a lot of things that I should have probably realized were red flags right away and gotten out of that situation. I tried to hang in there as long as I could, that I started seeing my team members leaving. I saw my clients that I loved leaving because they didn't think it was the right fit for them. And I was like, wow, I really didn't do the due diligence I should have. And I made promises to a few people that I wouldn't leave until I had another great opportunity lined up. But 
I just, I'm really bad at, at being inauthentic and staying somewhere past my personal expiration date. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I quit in June without anything, you know, without a backup. And part of the merger was my company, since I built it during the pandemic was still small, not big enough really for another company to say, yes, we're going to acquire you outright. It was more of an aqua hire where, you know, I came over, my team came over, my clients came over. I lost so much. I lost so much money. I lost access to my tools. I lost my team. I, you know, there are so many things that I lost in that process. But when I quit, what I gained out of that was my self-respect, my knowledge, and my realization of what kind of people I wanted to work with, you know, that that I was on the right path before. Like the clients that I wanted to work with were still the same clients. The team that I had built, a lot of them came back to me. A lot of them said, you know what? Yeah, we like what we did before. We we went, either they came with me to that agency or they went to other agencies and they didn't like what else was out there because we tried to build a very strong culture. You know, something that's really important, not just a buzzword these days, but making sure everybody felt like they are really are an important part of the team. We got our clients back. We started rebuilding. And that's when I really started focusing on what else do I want to do? And so I'm still working on that Second part of the question, like what's the huge success that came out of it? But some of the great things that came out of it is our, I leaned more into podcasting. I started taking it more seriously instead of just a hobby. I realized the impact it can have not only for me, but on the listeners and other people. Um, I started realizing other things that I'd wanted to do um, and things that I saw holes in the market for how to train people. Because so I'd started thinking about developing online programs for small businesses who didn't have the resources to go to an agency and pay lots of money, but could take courses and do some, get some coaching for, a, you know, just a little bit of money instead of that big spend. I really leaned into myself. And to me, that was the biggest win of all. And now I've started teaching at USC. I'm teaching graduate students on digital media and on the PR and advertising side. So I really, it made me really stretch myself and figure out how I wanted to grow and learn and then who I was going to bring along on that journey. And so it's been really beautiful. And there's, it's like, we're still in that growth phase, but I know like so many amazing things are about to happen. And so that's why I look at that as my biggest achievement and win. Well, Annika, I have to say with that story, clearly you went through a lot, but there's always silver linings. There's always victories, even when it seems like it's defeat. And for you, it was that self-realization that you couldn't be a part of that type of environment. You knew you had to be in a world that you believed in and that you could be authentic in and you made those steps and you're talking about all these lessons you learned. That's a win in my book. Yeah. <laughs> if you're able to walk away from a situation like that, not feeling defeated, but able to look at it and say, I learned a B and C, I won't make those mistakes again. And now I can apply all of those mistakes to what I do in the future. So I don't make them again. That's a win. So yeah. Wow. Thank you. Powerful story. Way to get us started off. Oh, thank where, you. Where do yeah. we go from here? I'm just <laughs> well, and I think another part is that you have to realize you can like people. It doesn't mean you need to work with them. Right. And it, it doesn't mean that they're going to be the same at, in work as just meeting them on the street or having a lunch to talk about if you're going to work together and learning about your own personalities. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are some other things, because I think I also tend to get stuck in that, oh, they're, I like them. They're a good person. They're going to fit, you know, we're going to work together really well. It's okay to say no. It's okay to go, you know what? It might not be the right situation, the right fit. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be very selective. 
I mean, I haven't experienced this personally, but I know I've talked to many people that have tried to make a partnership work, just felt mm-hmm. like that was the, the the right way to move, whether it was right yeah. from the start or uh, an integration that happened along the way. And you experienced this, so you would know way more than me and you just <laughs> told the story. There are some nightmares that can unfold and you lived it, you came through it and look at you thriving here on the other side. And yeah, it's great you. to reconnect with you. I had a blast on your podcast, as you had mentioned at the top of the show. Your brand Amplified is the show that EOB Mafia needs to go subscribe to once they're done listening to us wow. talk today. <laughs> and I'll put a link to our conversation in the show notes so everybody can get easy access. But for today, we've got a ton to unpack. So Ooh. we're going to go into <laughs> integrated marketing. We're going to talk PR. We're going to talk branding. It's all on the table. So okay, let's do it. Let's just dive right in to all of that great stuff. So you've been doing this for a while through your own brand, through work you've done in the past, through teaching mm-hmm. now, plenty of experience and a very lengthy, beautiful resume to <laughs> bring to the show with you today. Over the years, as you've been in these industries, in this field, how have marketing, how have PR, how have branding changed and evolved as your career has mm-hmm. unfolded? So many ways. It's really funny because I, at the beginning of my official professional career, before that, I was a club promoter through parties, promoted DJs, things like that. Then I moved more into working for marketing agencies and magazines and publishers and getting an actual paycheck. (laughs) You know, at the early, those were the early days of the internet. And so a lot of the techniques that we had to use to promote products, services, companies, magazines then are still in play today, but they're just, they look different. Back then I had to literally go into AOL chat rooms, music chat rooms to find people who I could get to be my influencers for my music magazine that I was launching. Um, I was launch marketing manager for a magazine called Revolution. It launched in like 2000. I know I'm aging myself. I don't care. Um, (laughs) um, But I had to go, you know, that is how I found people in different cities to promote the magazine and to get word out. Um, So I had to do a lot of like guerrilla tactics to get word out and street teams and things like that. And people, I think now, you know, obviously we know what influencers are when it comes to digital, we see them, but thinking about how that has changed um, in the last 22 years is really interesting, but also understanding that now we're past past the pandemic ish, right? Yes, Mostly. we are. We're going yeah, we, <laughs> to yes. say, yeah, okay. You know, I think people want to be in person again. They want to be at events. And so I think tactics like guerrilla marketing, street teams, things like that are coming back. People mm-hmm. want to be sampled on site. Um, so looking at things like that. But then if you look at PR, on the other hand, that has changed a lot. In the old days, we had to type up the press release. We would fax it. We would call the newsroom to make sure they got our facts. Nobody picked up a lot of the time. You just didn't know. Um, you didn't know. You, you didn't have that instantaneous reaction that you get now. Now, if you send a press release over the wire, you can see sites that it populates on pretty immediately. You can see, you know, did people click through to the site that you wanted them to go to? When you send out a pitch, depending on, you know, if you're using a system like Cision or Meltbot or Muckrack or something, if you're sending it out through their system, you can track the open rates. You can see how many times did a reporter open that email? Did they open it? Did they flag it? Um, and so then you can better hone in on how you're going to retarget them if they didn't 
respond with a, yes, we want to write about your client or whatever the case may be. So the PR world has changed a lot. I also think things used to be siloed. So there were brand experts, there were PR people, and then there are people who did the marketing. Now you kind of have to know how to do a little bit of everything, at least in the way I approach it and the way I've seen for my clients. And it's really integrated. I wanted to go back to what you were saying. You had mentioned the AOL chat rooms. Oh, yeah. I think it's tragic. There's a whole generation of people that have no clue what that is and will never understand what ASL meant. Oh, you remember yeah. ASL? Mm-hmm. That was like the, and for those that don't, age, sex, location. That was how everybody started <laughs> these conversations back in the day. I don't know if that was how it worked in the professional world, but I just remember anytime you would go into a chat room and I'm just, you're making me flash back to all these, because I was in college when those became big. Yeah. The things, I mean, and we, we were trying to look at ways that we could utilize them for good, not just right. for the, the, the randomness that some of the, that, that ensued in many of them, but. But that randomness was fun too. I mean, it I was because if you were, like, oh, I'm bored at home. I want to see who else is up, who likes the same kind of music that I like. And, right. is, you know, in Kansas City, Missouri or wherever, wherever city you're living in. And when I was living in Kansas City, I mean, I would strike up chats with really cool people who owned clubs who I didn't know personally yet. And then I, you know, became a promoter for them or I got I made connections and you didn't even see the person. So it's it's so different. Yep. Yeah. But it's I'm like, oh, we, maybe we need to bring those back. <laughs> Uh, getting us off i'm getting us off on some tangents but (laughs) (laughs) no that's okay i'm trying to think of how that would integrate into it's a good segue we're going to jump into integrated marketing here in a moment but i'm wondering how a chat room would integrate into the three second culture that we're living in today yeah i mean i guess there are there's so many you know whatsapp telegram all those line all those things that you can chat with people but they're people that you know typically so it's a little different than what we're talking about it was there was much yeah. more of the, I mean, I guess that would be like um, messaging through DM, except yeah. again, you see the person. So it's still a little different, but yeah, but it's it's been really interesting to see how everything's evolved and go, oh, I actually worked with influencers and I did all this, these marketing tactics that are being talked about and touted now. It was just so different then. There's probably a whole group of people our age that would love to see ICQ come back. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, let's not go down that path because we could end up in a weird rabbit hole. Let's talk about integrated marketing. Yeah. Tell us what this is all about and the role it can play in the evolution of our brands if we understand how to leverage it appropriately. And I actually, let's see. I'm going to see if you can see this. There is this great little book called Spin Sucks. And this is, I don't know if you can see it. Well, kind of. I Depends on how you background. angle it. Yeah. <laughs> or an audio platform um, anyway. So, <laughs> so that, well, for you, um, this yeah, book is I'm really, it's, yeah. <laughs> what I love about it is that it talks about how integrated marketing works and it really talks about a peso model. So that's paid media, earned media, shared media, and owned media. And so now when we look at, then, so that's really how I look at integrated marketing is what are you doing that's paid channel? So that would be your advertising, it could be, Digital advertising, radio, things that you put on websites, Google ads, whatever whatever you're doing, or even if you're doing like transit shelters on buses, however you're mm-hmm. doing advertising, right? 
So you have your paid media, you have your earned media, which is PR. So earned media, for those of you who are out there who have a publicist or might be looking at a, for a publicist, it is not pay for play. It is not a world where you're going to pay money based on how many hits you get or how many articles you get placed. That is completely different thing for the, for those of us who are publicists. That is a world where unfortunately people think, oh, I got published in blah, blah, blah. Well, if you look up that publication, it's not, you know, you're saying, oh, I got in the New York Weekly. Well, that publication only exists for them to get money from people like you who are going to do an, you know, what's really a glorified ad. It's not really an article. So earned media is when we go out and we pitch your story, we include you in a roundup for a journalist, things like that. Then there's, you know, shared and earned. So shared media is what do you share on social media? How are you sharing it? What channels are you sharing it? Um, and that they all kind of go along together too, because then you also have owned, which is your blog, your newsletter, your website, the things that you own that nobody can take away from you. And so one way to look at integrated marketing is you're on a podcast. Like I'm on your podcast right now. Okay. That is earned media. We didn't pay each other. I didn't pay you to be on it. You know, you have other sponsors, things like that. So when this episode comes out, I'm sure that you'll provide me with something to use to promote the episode. Yes. So then those become things that I share not only on my social media channels, the shared media, but I'll also share on my own channels. So I'll put the link on my website. I will put this in my newsletter. I will send it out to my audience in as many ways as I can so that they know that I did this interview with you. And so it promotes both of us, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and then if I wanted to, that would then turn into paid media. If I said, or if you and I said, hey, you know what? Let's do some extra promotion to bump up this episode because we're getting really good traction. We're getting good downloads, but we want to take it to the next level. So then some podcasters do this. I haven't started doing this yet, but something to think about, right? Then we could take the episode and we could co-put, we could both put money into boosting the episode, whether it's through our social channels, you know, the graphics with the link to the episode, any of that stuff. So that's one way to look at integrated marketing is how do you take one idea, one thought, one piece of content and perpetuate it across everything else. Um, another way with, to look at it would be, you're looking at your target audience, you have them honed in, you know that they exist on, okay, you're B2B. So they're mostly on LinkedIn. They're not necessarily on other platforms like they're not on TikTok. Your ideal customer is not gonna be on TikTok. It's on LinkedIn, maybe Twitter, because Twitter tends to be, well, I don't know about it now, but it has tended to be more <laughs> of journalists and data, things like that, short snippets of content that you want to put out. So you have one story that you're sharing on those channels, but what you're sharing on those channels might be part of a larger blog post that you put on your website, or maybe you were quoted in an article that you then take the idea from that article and you're just taking a little quote from it to put on social media, to put everywhere else. You're going to share that, of course, on your website, on your shared, on your own channels. But then again, uh, to the same point, you might want to take it and then promote it even more. And that's where you would leverage paid media. This is one of the big, I don't even call it a hidden gem anymore, because I think everybody has pretty much figured this out. With podcasting, the amount of content that you can pull. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> from one podcast recording, think about what you and I are doing right now. 
ends up being about a 45 minute episode. We've got video clips. We've got audio mm-hmm. clips. We can get the episode transcribed and pull quotes for social media. There is so much that can happen. And the fact that more brands don't take advantage of that part of it still blows mm-hmm. my mind because it's an incredible way to work smarter, not harder. And it's such a collaborative effort. If you're doing a show with somebody else, which is how the majority of podcasts are built, now you have two forces out there yeah. pushing this content out to multiple audiences, which is going to, by default, co-mingle those audiences yeah. and bring them together to some degree. It's it's the only way to fly. And the fact that so <laughs> really many is. people don't do it still, it's, it's, it's a head scratcher. It really is. Well, and the person also has to be willing to promote, right? The best guests to me are other podcasters because we are focused on helping each other and we, but we want to promote each other's material and we want to promote, you know, so that I think is something that's been really interesting. Um, More than a lot of people who are like, just want to be a podcast guest. Not all of them promote some, a lot of them do, but some of them don't. And to your point, there's so many other ways that I'm not using my content that I should be using it from each episode. And Certainly. there are so many things that you can do, but it, that goes back to then, do you have the right team in place? Because we can't do it all ourselves. Are you using the right automations to get that content out? Anybody that knows me or has worked with me knows that if you are, <laughs> I shout this as loud as I possibly can. If you are a podcast guest and you are taking the time to lend your expertise to any podcast that fits into your brand objectives, and then you're doing nothing with that content once it goes live, you're missing the biggest part. I mean, the interview is just one piece of the puzzle. And this is where a lot of podcasters get pissed off because they think their guest is going to do something to -hmm. let their audience know that they were a part of this show. Now, I will tell any podcaster, don't expect miracle growth. Even if you have a celebrity on your show that has a massive following, it's not going to lead to this overnight instantaneous success for you. Mm-hmm. But when you're the guest, this is a piece of content that has been built for you. All you had to do was show up and lend your expertise, bring value, have a good conversation. I hope you didn't go into sales mode because I will slap you for that too. <laughs> but after that, that content is out there, this is now social proof that you truly are an expert in your field. And exactly. this is the type of content people are looking for so they can further believe in you and know that you're the resource they can trust. So if you're not doing everything that you had listed off before Annika with sending it out to your email list, putting it on your social media platforms, putting a link on your website, even embedding the episodes on your website, which is what I do. And I know a lot of other podcast guests do this Mm -hmm. too. You have this central location where people can look and say, he's talking about that subject on this podcast, this podcast, this podcast. Well, clearly if he's being asked or she's being asked to come on these shows and extol the virtues of whatever they're doing, that clearly they are an expert that I should be listening to. That's such a huge mess. And again, one of those things will make me scratch my head because I've had it. I've experienced it, had tremendous conversations. And then when the show went live, sent all the assets, radio silence. Mm. Why did you even bother? I'm fine. I've got content now and I've got something I can share with my audience. But for you, this is something you could have really benefited from. But say la vie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you're right with, I mean, like you said, I said, podcasting can really add a lot to your content strategies, not just from an audio perspective. If you really 
analyze it for what it can give you on all platforms. It's a great way to work smarter, not harder. No question about it. Well, and let's talk about that. I know this is an audio podcast, but there is a huge trend towards the video podcast now. YouTube, right? Pinterest TV, Spotify mm-hmm. video podcasts. I mean, it's a whole separate thing. Yeah. There's there's so many other ways that you can use the content. So that's now I'm trying to figure out with the time my team has who works on clients, not just on my projects, <laughs> you know? Um, okay. So for my podcast, we do the audio and the video and now, and I wasn't using it before, but now I've gone, oh yeah, we have to use that. Um, and so we're looking at, well, how much time do we have to dedicate? How much time can I put to getting the transcriptions done, making sure they're on the website, making sure that we've edited the, the video together as well into pieces that we can use for social content, but then also into a program that we can put on YouTube, eventually on Pinterest TV when that officially launches, which I think is the next couple of weeks, into Spotify, into all these other platforms too, because there are other audience members that you can reach that way. I've always said that you don't necessarily get a ton of new listeners from social media. You'll get some, but having that awareness and having that ability to reach somebody, even if you put a minute clip, if they're following yeah. you on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, they see a short, they see a reel, that may be enough for them to say, I need to know more about what this person is doing. Maybe they're not a podcast listener and they don't come listen to your podcast, but they at least see enough value in your message oh. that they look you up and say, what do you? What can you do for me? What kind of value can you bring into my world? Yeah. So having that content in multiple platforms can truly be a tremendous boost to your presence. Yeah. So we've covered what we should be doing, and I think that's probably a good segue into <laughs> In your experience, what what have you seen brands doing wrong? And this can go beyond just podcasting. Where are brands falling short with the integrated marketing and having the same message and taking advantage of all these great things? Where, where are they missing the mark? There are a few ways. I think it's when the brand really hasn't honed in on who they are. That's one of the biggest things that I see because I mostly work with small businesses, nonprofits, startups people who are just starting their business, maybe they've had other businesses, but even people who've been in business 20 years sometimes need to go through a brand refresh and rediscover who they are. So when we work with clients, I always start with kind of a branding onboarding session. We'd get all their materials, we get everything. We do assessments on their SEO, their website, their social media, whether or not we're working with them on any one part of their business. We wanna make sure that they're as equipped as possible to have that succinct message throughout everything that they're doing. Because then it makes it easier when we're going and speaking to journalists and talking about why they should write about this client or include them in their article with a quote or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If that journalist goes to their social media or goes to their website and doesn't see a congruent message and the pitch that we've been trying to share, it's really hurtful. And that's going to be a no. And that might even hurt our relationship with the journalist. So it's as much to protect ourselves as it is to really help our clients, right? Um, But I think that's the biggest missed opportunity is making sure that you know who your audience is on every platform that you're on and how you're distinguishing between the audiences. So sometimes you might have different, slightly different messaging that goes to a journalist than what goes out to your core customer base. But you, if you are a startup, you're also needing messaging that goes to VCs or angel investors or sponsors or donors if you're a nonprofit. So you have to kind of examine each of those core audiences that you have and make sure that while they're getting 
a similar message, it might be slightly nuanced depending on the audience. And so that's another area of, of opportunity that I see. And then we also see a lot of, I thought I liked working with people who had multiple businesses and who are multiple entrepreneurs. And sometimes they don't have the time to really focus on their marketing and PR strategies. Um, they're all over the place and they want to get here, but they don't see the through line to get there. Or they have so many businesses going on that they don't have any focus and nothing is intentional and deliberate. And I think what people want to see is that you are intentional, deliberate, authentic with your brand because people really are buying the people behind the brand or the ethos behind the brand as much or more than they're buying the brand. I mean, look at like Adidas recently with Kanye West Kanye. controversy mm -hmm. and figuring out wh when were they going to pull the trigger to stop working with him because people had been telling them since the beginning of that, con of that you know, contract, mm -hmm. okay, he might be a little slippery. We're not quite sure if he's, but they're like, nope, 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 let's go, let's do this. And they did it. And so then now they're getting a lot of flack for when they responded and how they responded and a lot of questions that are hurting their brand. So I think those are all other things to think about is when you're doing deals with other people or when you're thinking about how you want to extend your brand or the life of your brand, how are you going to move through that with intentionality and staying true to who you are as a company and your mission? Going back to the Kanye thing for a second and not to really dive deep in this, I want to use that <laughs> as a springboard to my question. Do you think the belief was when these brands were working with him that a little bit of controversy is good for business? And I'm not talking about the controversy that ultimately got mm. this guy wiped off the planet, hopefully. I mean, right. not, not in literal terms, yeah. but in figurative terms and business terms. But there is that little bit of edginess that oh, yeah. if a brand is able to work with somebody that has it, or can, they're polarizing in a way, they, they they can piss people off, but ultimately put eyes on the product. That's a not necessarily a bad thing. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel that if a brand can truly harness a little bit of controversy and use it to their advantage, it can take them far? Oh man, that is a double-edged sword because the answer is yes, but do you have a good crisis communications firm ready to pick up the pieces when things fall apart? Because they will. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go in knowing that somebody is a loose cannon, yes, they have a built-in audience, but I think that's uh, that's something I wouldn't want to touch. And I don't do crisis mm. comms, so I stay far away from those things. Mm. But yeah, that that's definitely, it's hard. And then now people are saying, oh, but he's so smart. His shoes are selling on the resale market. Well, he's not making money off of the resale market. Yeah, right. The resellers are making money on the reseller market. The people who yeah. bought the shoes are making the money. It's just, you know, so it's funny because I hear these arguments that, oh, well, what he did was really smart because he created controversy, but he's still going to make all this money. Well, probably not is the answer. He's probably not going to because other people are going to capitalize and make the money on the controversy, but none of those lead directly into his pocketbook. What a shame too. <laughs> this being an audio format, maybe my sarcasm isn't coming through strongly yeah. <laughs> enough. But I will say anybody, listen, EOB Mafia, if you're planning this direction, if you want to take this course, the crisis communication that Annika just mentioned, go back to my episode in the archives with Dave Oates. Mm -hmm. He is the man when it comes yeah. to this. So Dave is awesome. Go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you know, you know, Dave, you want to go down this road. Make sure you at least touch base with Dave <laughs> for some pointers because he can help you do this in a way that it won't completely put you in a Kanye situation. Totally. <laughs> well, let's stay on the subject of 
the well not even really on the subject of controversy but more just on let's say being proactive so we can avoid that crisis situation how do you help clients and and how would you recommend anybody listening within their brand messaging be smart and nimble so they can avoid those pr nightmares that can turn into absolute disasters it all goes back to the team right I think you have to have people who are willing to say no when you're bringing ideas to the table or you're sitting around the table with a team and talking about what your next marketing strategy is going to be, whether it's a commercial or an online forum or, you know, whatever it is, make sure, do that test and make sure that you have people on your team who are diverse in thought, not just one note, because you want to make sure that, you know, you've you've probably read the book with the different hats, leadership book, and you have the green hat and the white hat and the, you know, make sure you have a black hat in there. Make sure you have somebody who's going to ask the hard questions um, because a lot of brands, and this is something that we do as an exercise. I teach PR and branding at USC Annenberg to graduate students. And every week they look at different brand news and we look at good brand news and we look at bad brand news, you know, and it's interesting to see what brands don't hit the mark, huge brands that just do silly things because I mean, there was the brand that did a Mother's Day campaign, right? But they didn't check the translation in different languages. And so what they were saying was actually profanity um, in multiple languages. I can't remember what the brand was off the top of my head, but it's, you have to do all these checks. You have to make sure that what you're doing, that your campaign is going to translate, whether it's cross cultures, cross, you know, ethnicities, gender, countries, all of those things. And when you don't do that is when brands get in trouble. And especially in this world today, I, I mean, obviously you should be cognizant of these things, but I feel like there are just, there's, there, there's a subset of people out there that will be triggered at the smallest thing, or they're just looking to stir up that type of controversy. And if they see one small little mistake, they are going to blast that as loudly as they can to let yeah. everybody know. And for whatever reason, this is what gets them off. This is their MO. And, and, and you know, yeah, and unfortunately, it's on every side of the equation, right? You know, I tend to be, I mean, I know we probably don't want to get into politics. I'm a little fiscally mm -hmm. conservative, socially liberal, but I like eating at Chick fil A. <laughs> I might not agree <laughs> with the politics of the owner, you know? Um, and so, yeah, you get into all these nuances of people who just are looking for a fight and they can be on any side of an issue. And one word, one color, yeah. one image, can change the way that everybody looks at a brand. And it's really, uh, that's a true testament to this, just this world of divisiveness that we live in. And you have this social media backed society where people are look, they almost go on to Facebook wondering who they can get in a fight with today. Yeah. And it's yeah. just looking for that one belief that somebody has that they don't feel the same about. It just triggers this firestorm. I, I I'll briefly tell the funny story that what my, my dad resisted being on Facebook for the longest time. And then when he finally did get on there, I can't remember the, the timeline, but he made a, he put a political post up and I remember texting my <laughs> sister. I was like, well, it's official. Uh -oh. Dad's a Facebooker, but you could just go and watch the back and yeah. forth. The people that agreed were all, oh, yeah, you're right. Blah, blah. And then the people that didn't, whoa, was that? And that's why I said, well, what'd you expect? This is what happens. And this is unfortunately the, the, one of the more difficult parts of the social media world is not having this ability to see somebody else's perspective 
and just have a rational conversation about why they feel that way. There's just instantly you're wrong. And then we go right to the negative. It's crazy. It is crazy. And, and I think there is some nuance between a brand who makes a bad decision because everybody signs off on something without realizing it's a mistake. Also true. And, and this, and this world, right. I do think it's important to be authentic to who you are. So if you're a brand that is hippy dippy, all natural, and you have certain political beliefs, live in that space because that's clear, you know, that's the audience you want to attract. And on the other side, if you are very religious and you believe in certain things and, you know, you want to attract an audience that might be a little more conservative, lean into that because you're going to attract the people who believe in, in your brand. You know, it doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just something that you need to work through when you're looking at your brand and how you want to move through the world. Well, Annika, as we get close to the end of our time together today, I, you had mentioned at the top of the show that you really leaned into podcasting. And we did talk a lot about why it's important from the standpoint of repurposing content. And clearly you've been doing that with your show as a whole. Tell us how podcasting has really impacted your brand and why you decided it was the right move for you to make to put all of this emphasis on it. And clearly from a podcast guesting perspective as well. Tell us how all this has come together for you. Well, I actually, I've always loved public speaking. So I always say, put me in front of a thousand people and make me give a speech on, give me the topic five minutes ahead of time. I'll do it. I love it. (laughs) I was really heavily into like debate and theater and all that kind of stuff growing up. And from about 2017 to 2019, I had a radio and Facebook live show in Houston called Real Beauty, Real Women. And we would bring on guests to talk about the good things they're doing in the community. And again, it wasn't about politics. It was just about people who were putting good into community on whatever issue that they were putting good into. And I I loved it. And at first it was just two of us as co-hosts. And then we brought in other people so we could make it more robust. And it was such a great experience. And I just really loved having that connection and being able to communicate and meet people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. And that's kind of the same way I looked at podcasting. So the way I got into it at first was early 2020, I started doing it for a a client, a PR client said, Hey, we want to start a podcast. We want you to host since they, they knew that I'd hosted a show before. So that's how I got into it. And then they didn't really have budgets and they're kind of trying to, this was like their side hustle and they're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what else they were going to do. So I said, why am I putting all this effort into their show? I should be putting it into my, my own. Because it was very, it was very niche. It was just interviewing women. It's called Women Acquiring Assets. It still lives out there. Um, and so I transitioned to doing my own show. Your Brand Amplified was actually my tagline for my old company. Now it is the name of my company and my podcast. And I just kept doing more and more interviews. And I was like, I'm meeting such great people. I'm meeting people I really connect with. We don't know each other's politics. Our podcasts are not about that kind of stuff. We all just love talking about things that are going to help entrepreneurs and help small business people and help business people understand better how to use the tools that are out there. So that's why I started the podcast. And then this year I said, you know, I really love this so much. I want to get more into it. And it was only the last few months that I started really going deep into what are other ways I can promote it? How are ways I can monetize this? You know, what are some extensions for the podcast brand? I mean, I, again, the audience won't see, but I'm seeing the podcast guest mastery book behind you, which (laughs) Congratulations on having oh, the best-selling book out there. That is amazing. But yeah, I started looking at like, what are some 
masterminds and trainings and other po what, what podcast communities can I get into? And that really encouraged me to dig, to go even deeper into this and think about like, what would my book be of the best advice from every guest I've had in on different areas? You know, how mm -hmm. else can I extend this? And for me, it's, it's not about me talking. It's really about having the guests share their wisdom with a new audience. Um, and, on, and honestly, it's been great because I've also used it for my students and every week they write about an episode that they've listened to. When I bring guests into my class who've ha who have podcasts, I have them listen to that podcast. So it's really interesting to see what the next generation of PR and marketing and journalist students, like what resonates with them. It's kind of little market research, right? So I can see like, what are they listening to? What, what do they like about those episodes? So then I can figure out like, what would I want to add or change? I'm not one of those podcasters who wants to do 5 million different podcasts. I'm like, okay, you know what? This one's done or I have so much content because I it is pretty booked out and I have a lot of content, but I just want to go deep into this one and keep doing it because I think this has the opportunity to add much more value to our listeners, to students, you know, to the community. And then with the connections that I'm making, I'm like, hey, I need, I'm teaching digital media management. I've have a whole list of people that I could bring in as virtual guest speakers. It's really fantastic. Or I, I know somebody who does this. I don't do that. Let me put them on my preferred, you know, vendor page or my preferred partner page so that somebody can go to them and get their expertise. And, and that's what I really like. That's my sweet spot. I think what I really love is just getting people together, getting people to collaborate and talk about ideas and then take action on those ideas, whether it's with me or a guest or somebody else, but they've been influenced and they've been inspired by what they've listened to. Well, you've absolutely found the right platform for that because that is happening on so many levels with so many different podcasts and podcasters and guests, just the value that is getting poured into this community yeah. as a whole. And I'm talking worldwide and in just so many different ways. It's hard to replicate. And I'm very excited for what the future holds because this is just going to keep getting better and better. Annika, this has been awesome. I want to thank you for thank all you, the Jason. insight and knowledge and commentary that you brought to the podcast today. going to speak for the EOB Mafia and say that mm -hmm. we all want more. So tell awesome. us, how do, how do we connect <laughs> with you, maybe set up a strategy session, and become part of your brand amplifier program? So I have two social media accounts. One is Amplify with Annika. And that is a little, some personal stuff and some business stuff. And then your brand amplified is my other platform. And both of those are available on all social channels. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Annika Jackson. Also your brand amplified is on there. You can go to my website, yourbrandamplified.co or amplifywithannika.com. And Jason, I will share a link for you to share in the show notes. If you for to give anybody who's listening a free strat session, no obligation whatsoever. I just love helping small businesses and helping people figure out the solutions to their problems. And then the brand amplifier program is the brand amplifier.co, but you can also go on your brand amplified and you'll find the podcast episodes. You'll find information about the program or just working with us as a client. Well, as always, those links will be posted in the show notes to make it easy for <laughs> the mafia members to connect. Awesome. Before I let you go, Annika, if you could go back in time and share one thing with your pre-evolved self that would completely change the game for you today, what would it be? Save more money. <laughs> I think that's the first one to, so that I could invest it in myself and my businesses later, instead of 
pouring it into all of the different things immediately. Build a great team, which I, that's probably not something that, I mean, that's something I've always loved doing. Um, but also just that belief in yourself. I think so many times we just, we're scared to start things because we don't believe that we're going to, we're like, other people are doing it better. Other people are better at this, but you all have something to offer. You, everybody has, is, everybody has a unique gift to share with the world. I know that I'm like, this probably sounds a little cheesy, but it's, it's really true and hone in on that and use that and just start. Great way to finish. Just start. Yeah. Annika, thank you so much for joining me here on evolution of brand today. Thank you, Jason. This was just an absolute pleasure. I'm so thrilled that you invited me to be on your show. I hope you had as much fun learning from Annika as I did recording with her. I had a blast on her podcast, and it was my pleasure to reciprocate and have her center stage on Evolution of Brand today. I highly recommend you check out Your Brand Amplified, and without question, take Annika up on her offer for a strategy session. The link to connect with her can be found in the show notes. I promise you, she's one of the good ones, and it will absolutely be worth your time, EOB Mafia. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com, click on the archives link, then go to episode 132. Or head straight to jasoncircone.com slash Annika Jackson for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. And I'm talking primo notes. I got an A. Want to support Evolution of Brand? Be sure you're following and you're subscribed so you're the first person to know when new content goes live. Leave a rating and written review on Apple Podcasts, as well as a five-star rating on Spotify. And as always, recommend this episode of Evolution of Brand to one person in your circle who you know will be impacted by what they hear. And with that, we bring down the curtain on episode 132 of Evolution of Brand. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today, and I look forward to reconvening with you once again when episode 133 goes live in the very near future. Until then, jump back in the archives and check out some of the great conversations that have unfolded right here on Evolution of Brand. Until we meet again, this is Jason Sircone reminding you to never stop evolving.